0: then we shall hit record and hope that i don't cough too much through all of this because the- <laughs> yeah good. i'm doing that too <laughs> in my case it's probably
1: because i'm smoking again
0: oh good lord um, raga, uh, raga, 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 raga. There, yeah, yeah you and my mom that. Let's welcome the audience to the latest episode of Mentioned in Dispatches. Uh, this is episode seven. We are still in sequence at the moment, but I have a feeling that's going to get screwed up here in the next week or so because everybody's compass catalogs have started to show up. And so that means the mandatory compass catalog episode here with the Armchair Dragoons. And that's probably what's going to throw us off sequence because we'll record that one and end up releasing it out of order compared to all the rest of them. But what the heck? We, we weren't planning on the show showing up this early because mine showed up. I really think the International Space Station got theirs before me last year (laughs) it took forever for mine to show up so have you had your show up yet Gary have you got your compass catalog
1: yeah in fact I
0: got two of them oh wow
1: they like me twice as much as they like you apparently
0: well that's not hard have you been through it enough that anything really caught your eye at all so I I went through it the the
1: prices have actually been live for a few weeks and Mm -hmm. uh, so I actually went through that and and because I'm going to compass x Expo, nothing on that really leaped out at I me mean, that's available right now, at least it's not a pre-order. There are several pre-orders that I am excited about, but I will note that there are a few prices in there that are actually lower than the anticipated price that they'll have at Expo, which is usually fifty flat 50% off oh, everything wow. except like something that released in the last few weeks. Yeah. So there's a couple things in there and including a couple things that I kind of like to have um, that are actually lower priced through the catalog sale than they, I expect them to be at Compass Expo, but we'll see what happens
0: plus you don't have to try and check them back on the airplane coming home from Compass Expo.
1: Well, we're driving this year. We're not oh, okay. uh, we're not going to brave the TSA again.
0: <laughs> you've uh you've had enough intimacy for for Oh, that my trip, counterclipper
1: huh? certainly has after being groped by the TSA, so
0: good lord. <laughs> I, I'm curious to think what they think the security problem was with the counter clipper that you're gonna, you know, round the earlobes of the pilot if he doesn't do what you want him to.
1: Well, apparently there's a rule about tools uh, being brought on the plane as a carry-on uh, over a certain number of inches.
0: Oh, gotcha. So you need the micro counter clipper. Apparently,
1: yeah. Which is also known as a toenail clipper. But I could have brought <laughs> that. That would have been, I guess, would have been fine. Although, you know, I, you got to worry about somebody hijacking the plane with that little tiny file on the on the na- the the nail clipper too. So so maybe yeah. that w- maybe there's a special nail clipper rule
0: yeah who knows who knows ah. We didn't invite the audience to join us here for a discussion of, of toenail clippers on airplanes and compass catalogs. So th- this one's going to be a little different compared to many of our other uh, podcast episodes, because usually we're picking some facet of, of our game fandom or a particular genre or type of game or a particular company that we're talking about. Tonight, we're going to do something a little different. We're actually turning the, the spotlight on ourselves as the media guys. And so at Origins, God, it was probably five years ago now, we we did a Wargaming Media panel with me and Gary and Jim Werbeneth was there. And I think we had Mark Johnson maybe from War Games to Go.
1: I believe I so. That,
0: I think that's who or was he was there. in the
1: I think he was in the audience and not on a panel, but he contributed just as much as anybody.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and it seems like we had somebody else, but I, I don't remember my video camera cut out in the middle of it all. So we'll have to do the whole thing again some other time. One of the things that I stumbled across a couple of weeks ago and uh and was reading about it, and I called up Gary and I said, Hey, we should really talk about this for a podcast and Gary said you're nuts and I said well you're right but we still should talk about this for a podcast. Um was this concept that's been around for I guess about 20 years now and it's the concept of 1000 true fans. And the guy who's the genesis behind this so so the article is linked right below this on the uh, on the podcast episode so you can you can go click through and go read Kevin Kelly's article about this but the 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 gist of it is this in in popular media there's this thing known as the long tail and it's this graph that the the number of Of titles, whether it's books or albums or magazines or whatever, the number of titles that sell high volumes is very, very small. And if you put that on a graph, sort of the number of titles with big sales versus the number of titles with small sales, and you graph that out, what you end up with is this giant curve that over on the left end of the graph is a very high peak and it drops off very fast, but then stretches out to the right a very long way. And again, you can see the graph right here on the The podcast episode. And that long tail is, is, honestly, that's where Amazon built much of their business. And that is the further into the niche that you get, the lower your distribution is going to be. And the challenge that you had for a long time, places like Barnes and Noble or record stores or whatever, they had trouble catering to the long tail because they've only got so much shelf space. Um, Game stores are like this, right? There's only so much shelf space to go around. So they're going to carry the best selling titles because they've got limited shelf space. They need to move products. Product in order to make some money. So they're carrying the highest selling things. The thing is that there's a lot of business to be made and a lot of fans to be found out there in the long tail. The problem is identifying them. And that was something that Amazon realized very early on that a huge chunk of Amazon's book business came from the long tail. And the thing is, there's 50 dudes out there that want to read Gary's autobiography. The problem is where are those 50 people around the country? And Barnes and Noble can't Mostly afford- Mostly in book.
1: lunatic asylums
0: probably but Barnes and Noble can't afford to buy 5,000 copies of Gary's autobiography to put two in every store to find the 50 people that want to read gary's autobiography but amazon can stack 50 of them up in a warehouse somewhere wait for those 50 orders to come in and ship them directly to those 50 people so digital distribution has made the long tail an economically viable thing now for those of you that actually know the economics behind this this is a vast oversimplification and and so please you can drop whatever comments you want down below but don't take us to task for oversimplifying this because we got to get to the meat of the podcast here in a few minutes please send your
1: hate mail to brant at armchairdragoons.com Com.
0: Sure, sure. Since that, that email address doesn't actually exist. Go ahead. <laughs> Kevin Kelly's argument some number of years ago was that digital distribution has made the long tail possible such that you can actually get to the point where you can make a bit of a decent living out of being a niche creator anymore. And so the the examples that he's using were primarily like music or literature or general arts content. However, where I first ran across this article and was pointed to it was actually um an article about a couple of news personalities that have their own YouTube channel. These were a couple of folks that used to work for the Hill that now have their own YouTube channel with a couple of daily news hits each day and, and much of it is subscriber supported. And the argument that that both the article and that Kevin Kelly make is what you need to find in, in one of these creative businesses is you need 1,000 true fans from anywhere on the globe. And that 1,000 true fans, that, that measurement that they're using, and it's, it's rough math, right? It's back of the napkin math. If you can find a thousand true fans willing to spend a hundred bucks a year on the creative content that you provide that's a hundred thousand dollars a year and that's a decent middle-class living in many places particularly since you are location independent at that point and a hundred thousand dollars goes a lot further in omaha nebraska than it does in san francisco and and so everything above that's kind of gravy that, that that's additional input for you and so i brought in gary and i called him up and i said first of all you're gonna think i'm crazy and he said well i already do so that's okay but <clears throat> the conversation that i wanted to have with gary is look you run one of the bigger subscription war game youtube channels you've got some some gravitas and some name recognition amongst the war gamers out there obviously you're not running a subscription only thing you have a patreon we have a patreon lots of folks in this business have a patreon i think uh, fred serval over Home ludens does um mm-hmm. the guy from designers and dragons uh he's got a patreon um do the players eight guys have one uh yes they do they do uh dan does dan pan dan does. Um, so there's, there's a lot of folks out there that have a patreon you've got the ability to support the creative endeavors that all of us uh participate in uh i don't think any of us are ready to quit our day jobs and run off and just be full-time content creators though but the economics on this were curious enough that i wanted to bring gary in and actually have a bit of a real conversation about this and and i did caveat it with and and, and gary will remember this from our phone call when i pitched this idea to him i am not convincing gary to quit his day job and just become a content creator because i don't want gary's wife to stab me in the back that's true or in the front or in the neck or anywhere all the
1: stabbings
0: yes um of which there will be no shortage nope (laughs) so so with all of that as a lead-in and me hacking up along here trying to get rid of this cold i'm gonna hit mute on me and let gary take over for a second gary reactions on this
1: so i mean it's a really interesting idea i think it's it's extremely safe to say that there are zero people in the uh or or even you know groups of people like the players they have a couple of people working on their their uh effort at, 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 there are zero people close to achieving this and of course you know the the back of the napkin math can be very Deceptive, right? I mean, I'm I may have a dollar patron who gives me twelve dollars a year, right? And I would need many times a thousand of those to to make something like this viable. Um, so it's it's an interesting idea, and it it's also I think to some extent, uh, uh an object lesson in how this kind of back of the napkin math, um, can lead you to some overgeneralized conclusions. I'm, I think it's 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 potentially viable. The original article, which I did read after Brant pointed me at it and i think i'd seen it before but uh i read it again uh is really aimed at people with product of some kind to sell ideally product that doesn't cost them things like shipping or warehousing fees or printing costs or something like that so and digital content at least avoids some of those things but it still takes time right
0: i think some of that time that that kevin kelly is is describing in his in this thing, though, is at that point the time that you're spending on it is your full-time job. Like at that point, the the time that you're committing to this as a creator, whether you are a musician or an independent journalist or an author, at that point the time that you're spending on these things, if you've got those thousand true fans that are each spending a hundred bucks a year on you, that's that's your income. That's that's how you're paying your phone bill and you know keeping the lights on and your internet service and whatever else, and ideally leaving a little bit left over for travel to some of these professional events or or some of these other appearances where you might have some and and i think you're right that in the wargaming niche there's there's not enough people willing to spend that kind of money on a content creator to to be able to provide this stuff but if we widen the lens a little bit from just wargaming to the broader board gaming world there are some creators out there who are full-time content creators yes. in the board game community and rodney thompson for
1: example i think is doing it full time i think uh a uh, heavy cardboard edward is doing it full time i believe um yeah. so so it does happen Uh, it's it's easier to build you know know, i was about to say that it's easier to build the offense if if the the easier let me say that again (laughs) it's easier to build the audience if you are in a less of a a tiny niche like we have in wargaming but I'm, i'm actually not entirely convinced that that's true um in many ways it's a little easier to get attention in a small niche than you might have in the 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 larger right space of other types of tabletop games like your euros and your rpgs and stuff like that so I and I I don't know that we have like hard information on that. Right. Um, But I, I feel like even though there are a number of I, I'm just stick, strictly speaking to you, speaking to YouTube here and I'm going to use mm. subscribers as a metric because it's something we can look at. Um, and everybody can see what it is, and it's it's some measure of relative audience size, assuming that whoever that we're talking about is is uh, a YouTube presence at all. So yeah. so you and that's where I am, right? So that's what I look at all the time. So I'm going to use that as an example. There are RPG channels, uh, quite a number of them, with over a hundred thousand subscribers, and a couple of them aren't doing it full time. I can tell you that. Um, if I had a hundred thousand subscribers at my current, you know the 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 amount of cash inflow i get i would i think be still be a little hard pressed to uh to, to like make a living doing this my wife might be upset too but because uh, then i'd be in the house all the time and i would never get out of her hair so that's a concern right we got to, yeah. we got to deal with these logistic considerations from time to time, but it, the the numbers don't necessarily translate, right? The, the, the thousand true fans that the article author is writing about do not easily translate to YouTube viewers, um, or for that matter, to Patreon supporters, right? Which yeah. are thank you patrons, by the way. Um, but you know, it doesn't, it doesn't translate quite that smoothly. So there's a, as, as Brant said, there's a lot of oversimplification happening, uh, in this process, oh, for example, a, a lot of Patreon uh, creators um send out some kind of physical merchandise for pa- supporters. Right? Great. I don't. I don't do that. So I want to buy a shirt. Go buy a shirt. Cool. Yeah. Um, but a lot of them do do that i mean i i think the players they sends send out like sticker packs or something like that and that's cool but then you as the creator have to kind of deal with that i okay so spending some money on that hope it's enough money that the the patronage is is paying for it um you would hope but yeah. uh, you're still dealing with shipping it's like hey i didn't get my patron package for last month what's going on with that you got to deal with that so there's there's not only a money overhead that that the the, the back of the napkin math does not consider but there's a time over head as well and i mean for me the the, the bigger bottleneck here is uh, because the, the the challenge is not hey i've got a thousand true fans i'm making 100k now this is great i could do this full time the, the trick is of course to get there right yeah and nobody yeah. in the wargaming space has got there at this point and i'm not sure that's going to happen anytime soon <laughs>
0: probably not <laughs> ah. uh. To, to back up to your point about the the wider lens sort of the, the guys doing euros or RPGs or whatever I think the advantage that they have to having the larger audience is that you don't have to find a thousand people at 100 bucks a year that you could get by with 2,000 people at 50 bucks a year or 5,000 people at 20 bucks a year and still hit those th- those same numbers depending on again sort of how that math, breaks out. The, the, the issue then becomes sort of, how does that, what are they getting for their patronage of you? Right, And, and that's where I think on the wargaming side, it's it's not something any of us, quite frankly, have tried to figure out. And and that's okay, because I don't think that's why any of us are doing this. It would be awesome to be able to quit your day job and have a steady, reliable income to do nothing but wargame content creation. That would be really cool. That ain't ever going to happen.
1: I mean, it's just it not. It feels, feels unlikely. Right.
0: Yes. Yes, it seems very unlikely. It, whoever the first person is to pull that off will get heartily congratulated congratulated by us and many others and and we will do whatever we can to help support them in their endeavors cuz that would be really neat to do but the right now so much of what we do quite frankly is given away for free there's a limited amount of stuff that any of us are locking behind our patreon doors that the patreon support is as much hey thank you for helping keep us going as it is hey be a patreon supporter in return for these exclusive things that you might otherwise not get from folks um I know we've taken certain things behind the Patreon paywall, um, Folks have seen those five question interviews that we run on our site. Whenever we send out those interviews, we'll send out eight or nine questions because that way if, if one of them's kind of a dud or you know doesn't get a great answer or whatever, we can drop that one and we're still gonna hit our five questions. Well, But if the person ends up answering all eight and we get good answers out of all eight, we're not gonna turn our five question interview into the eight question interview. We're still doing five questions with Gary. And what we do is we take our extra three questions and we put those- He's up-
1: literally never asked me to participate in- in this scheme.
0: No, I haven't. (laughs) But I didn't want to embarrass anybody else by forcing them to admit to having been one of our five question subjects. So we'll We'll take those extra questions and we will put them up as a Patreon uh, Patreon subscriber exclusive. And so that's one of the things that we do for our Patreon supporters. We also, because we actually do events with things like our ACDCs and the Connections online conferences, uh, we will also uh, give our Patreon supporters some free badges for those. The, the ones that are supporting us at a certain level, uh, we'll, we'll give them uh, free badges to those events. So we've got some things that we do for our Patreon supporters, uh, but it's not like we're providing free games to these guys it's, it's not like we have free games to give them <laughs> so so there are there are limits to the kinds of creative things that we're providing exclusively to them as opposed to just things to the general public your monday night live streams like this has become one of the sort of I, I don't know that you ever intended it this way but it's evolved that way it's one of the sort of tentpole weekly events for a lot of the wargaming community i mean you've
1: yeah got apparently three, who, who knew right <laughs>
0: no you've got this steady
1: crew of not me
0: a hundred odd people that are there every week and i'm, I'm usually there for or at least part of it but it's yeah, uh, 200 game. plus
1: occasionally
0: yeah but but you've got this hardcore crew of probably 60 or 70 folks that are there every week and then other folks are there when they can be there but but there's there's and you could probably rattle off a bunch of the names that the 60 or 70 folks that are there literally every week they sort of build their weekly schedule around all right mondays at 8 i'm watching gary's show and then tuesdays at 9 i'm watching this other sitcom on tv and thursday night i'm watching thursday night football or whatever it might be that that you're just part of their regular schedule during the week and that's really kind of cool. But that's also not something that they have to be a Patreon supporter to get access to. That's just out there on YouTube, hey, everybody, pop in and join us. And so right now in the Wargaming world, folks like us and Players Aid and Dan and whoever else, we're not providing that Patreon content only or largely uh, to paying customers. We're open for everybody. And hey, if you like it, please help support us. Sort of the model that we're on right now.
1: So me too. I mean, I I do very little patron-only content. Uh, We're actually going to do this month, uh, hopefully actually this week, we're actually going to do my very first patrons only live stream and this is a bit of an oddball too so we have a specific thing uh, that we're going to talk about, and I just don't want 150 people to participate in that conversation. It will be unmanageable, right? So, uh, so the idea was to release it as a patrons-only live stream, and then later release the recording for anybody that wants to see it. See it. Um. So, I, I think to to kind of step back from the discussion of the details of of how to make this a viable thing. Consider, you know, what you or me or whoever or Dan or you know Al- Alexander Grant or whoever we're talking about. What do you want? To do as uh, yeah, as your avenue for potentially monetizing this stuff, um, and with the you know important consideration that you will be starting from, in fact, negative income, right? Because you're gonna <laughs> buy a microphone or something, you know, a new computer or whatever. Uh, there's gonna be some costs sooner or later associated with that. Pay pay for StreamYard, for instance, which is by the be way negative not for a little while. <laughs> not yeah, no kidding. StreamYard the StreamYard the the access that you'd want for this kind of content is not inexpensive. So you're going to be dealing with, a you know, essentially negligible cash flow for a while. So what do you want to do? What is the the, the content T- to me the challenge is always the content that I am I am enthused to make right if I somewhat ha- somehow become less enthused to make it it doesn't get made nobody ever sees it so <laughs> so you need to kind of maintain the, the passion in doing it uh, but then you also have to begin considering hey I want to try and explore monetizing this how do I do that do I give out little gizmos or stickers or whatever do I get into you know maybe I'm interested because we got a couple of content creators that are working on this their own game designs uh which is pretty cool Fred Fred Cerval who you mentioned actually know
0: uh, from Just a Guard
1: ju- just yeah he's got a he's got a dis, uh a levian camp at least a levian campaign title in the works and it looks pretty as easy. we
0: are recording this he is play testing it at gmt's weekend at well he's, he's probably on a plane on the way home but gmt weekend at the warehouse was this weekend and he had his playtest copies there yep
1: yep that's true and i still have to watch his video for that by the way so how are you gonna you know how are you going to create content for people to consume and what kind of form will that take and then what is your plan for monetizing it because I could guarantee that unless you are in the tens or hundreds of thousands of viewers that your ad revenue stream from YouTube will amount to literal pennies per month for the foreseeable (laughs) future so you know and and there's other you know sort of pitfalls in that whole uh monetizing through youtube uh through google right it's so google's owns youtube if you didn't know i imagine everybody does um so there's there's a bunch of pitfalls and hidden like oh we're gonna take 60 percent of this and the, that kind of stuff that uh that maybe yeah. people don't realize in addition to the a- astonishingly small revenue uh, ad revenue for individual videos that might only get 100 or 200 or or a thousand views for example um lifetime I'm, I mean, the, the 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 long tail, on the other hand, is actually a thing. And kind of parsing as a YouTube creator, right? At, kind of parsing that is is something I'm trying to get better at. What kinds of content do people say, oh, Ardwolf has a new unboxing video, right? And I'll get three, four, 500 views or something like that. Maybe if it's like some, some super hot thing like Pacific War, it'll get 1,500, maybe even 2,000 views. But after a couple of weeks, nobody's watching that video. Right. On the other hand, I've got like a here's how to use the Vassal Engine video that is consistently every month and like my top 20 videos watched for the month and is Mm -hmm. now at like 18,000 views or something like that. So, you know, how do you identify that kind of evergreen content while balancing that with the challenge of uh, also needing the passion to get to do it? Right. Because nobody's again, nobody's starting from. Hey, I'm on a tr- maybe there's somebody with a trust fund out there that can do this full <laughs> time or or lives in their mom's basement, that's more likely. But uh, un- unless you're in that kind of situation where you don't really have expenses to be concerned about, you got to make an actual living as well. You're going to be doing this in your spare time. Um, and you need to be able to maximize the amount of hours that you could put into it, right? But while you're while you're working your way up to potential viability um i'm gonna say that in the current climate i believe this to be essentially not mathematically impossible but effectively impossible to accomplish in the wargaming space and very difficult to accomplish in the larger tabletop gaming spaces rpgs and euros and stuff like that but but not impossible or not even you know um functionally impossible as it is in the wargame space the wargame space is just too small
0: yeah probably Well, it's not just that it's too small, it's that for all the joking that we make about war gamers willing to to pay 150 bucks for a game that just looks really cool to sit on their shelf and never actually play it... and there's no shortage of us guilty of that Oh, that,
1: that happens but at that well see that's the other thing is is when you start making you know what kind of content are you going to create that can include physical product as well right not just virtual stuff where oh yeah no, 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 no. Uh, but at that point aren't aren't you kind of becoming a publisher right and you're yeah. opening up like a, it's a whole side business right and, and if if you're doing that as a side job then you know that's it got its own uh time constraints and, and so on. So that's yeah. that's gonna be even tougher, really. But but you also open yourself up to potential additional revenue and loss um by okay. you know becoming a publisher or producer of printed materials or or whatever, right? I think there's yeah. probably some space to be explored in the war game space with things like play aids and stuff like that. Um like organizational, like generic organizational displays for CDGs or something like that. Maybe maybe somebody could make something like that work. It ain't gonna be me though.
0: I'm sure somebody could probably have a decent side hustle making just uh, generic expansion maps that that are system cross compatible that that would work for instance for both ASL and Lock and Load Tactical right the scaling's the same on the on the hexes and so you could make some generic map boards for folks to build their own scenarios i think the challenge there is that most folks don't just want the maps they want the scenarios to go with the maps so that so that they have something to actually play with with the you know getting the map um,
1: nevertheless i think you could potentially make tens of dollars in such an enterprise
0: <laughs> that that might even be a high estimate um but the, the point is that there's plenty of folks in the war game business that are willing to spend money on physical product mm-hmm. i think there are fewer members of the wargaming audience willing to spend money on ephemeral things they might pay for a print and play copy of something that they're going to do the arts and crafts project to create the physical thing at their house but they still end up with a physical product i think there are fewer folks out there willing to spend much of a chunk of change for exclusive acts access to any sort of wargaming content whether it's podcasts or YouTube streams or news articles or expansion content or historical research or whatever there probably just aren't that many of them willing to spend money on it and quite frankly part of it is there's so many of us that are doing it essentially for free or trying to do it through an ad supported revenue model that that you can get really good quality stuff for free why am i spending subscription money on it and and so you would have to somehow differentiate yourself in the market through some other means uh, to try and capture that revenue. The other thing, of course, is that sliding scale of math. If you can't find a thousand people willing to spend a hundred bucks, can you find 2000 people willing to spend 50 bucks? They don't have to spend as much, but now you got to find more of them. And so again, where does the math calculation work out for something like that? And that's, th- there's no good answer. We're not going to tackle it on this podcast, but it's, those are the kinds of questions that got the gears turning in my head when I called you up and said, hey, we should talk about this. And you said, you're nuts. And I said, you're right, but we should start She'll talk about this so here we are as the armchair dragoons march into the ninth season of their podcast mentioned in dispatches we need to make time to thank our patreon supporters who pledged at the regimental patron level so a heartfelt thanks to patrick garrity mike quigley joseph Knoll, hethwill wargames robert kevin bertram chet bell treb curry Staggerwing, and Patrick Mullen for their support of the Armchair Dragoons and helping us to bring you the best strategy gaming content on the web. You too can sign up as a Patreon supporter at patreon.com slash armchair dragoons.
1: So another question to to ask and maybe think about is is how your overall engagement uh, translates into you know, either in directly into revenue or into, you know, membership in that 1000 true fans, right? If, mm. if that's what I need, I, I, I would estimate I have more than anybody in this space, uh, but I'm just guessing here. I have no idea, but, uh, but I mean, in terms of people who, who give me some, you know, some, some, some patron in, uh Patreon e- money every month or something like that, I got, I've got a decent number. Um, But even so, you know, how does that translate into uh, from the, the greater engagement? engagement metric, right? If I got 10,000 views on this very popular video, which is which is a completely achievable number to get 10,000 views on a wargaming video, it's difficult. They don't all, all, most of them don't get that, but you know, I've got well, like 40 videos with 10,000 or more views or something like that, mm-hmm. which is, you know, those are outstanding numbers. How does that turn into sufficient uh, participant engagement to to get them to send money your way right part of this is cultural probably because of the relatively older audience that we're talking about with tabletop war games uh, but part of it is probably uh, indicative of trends in the and history in the broader culture right so we are in many respects commentators right mostly people don't feel like they need to pay for that because they can get it for free they can listen to the radio or watch the you know the 24-hour news channel to fill their head with nonsense or whatever whichever one it is right because they're all doing it um commentary or or, you know it's in the it's in the paper and you can read it for free on the internet right commentary is 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 cheap right it's historically something that people haven't necessarily paid a lot for. And I kind of see right now where that's kind of the place I've kind of ended up in is as a commentator rather than, say, a producer of tutorials, for instance, which, yeah. uh, you know, the tutorials I've done have been very popular. One example of that evergreen content that keeps bringing views in that I was talking about. But it's a, it's a, it's an order of magnitude more work to create that material uh, than it is to sit in front of the camera and talk for two hours while you're clipping <laughs> And drinking scotch that turns out that turns out to be harder than you think, by the way. Uh, but I'm you know, I apparently have the personality match to be able to pull that off.
0: Well, it's not that you it's know. hard to do once, the problem is maintaining that weekly rhythm of it. That well, that so you-
1: that's a huge factor too is consistency is that you're consistently producing content as any kind of content creator in you know digital media whatever i'm you know again specifically kind of leaning on youtube here uh but consistency you know keep making the videos keep making the videos yeah i, I it, the twitch will tell you the same thing in their advice on how to become a twitch partner or associate or whatever they call that thing um just keep making content how, how difficult is it to stream when you have zero viewers right there's literal yeah. like articles on twitch about that here's why you should still stream if you have zero viewers um and that's super discouraging uh at the same time um uh, i have had a lot of people it's it's not just consistency because i have had well let me put it this way last year at winterfest when or actually this year at winterfest is really what i mean when i did the live broadcast from uh, Winterfest for the counterclipping show. I was lucky enough to get Doug for the Tabletops Edge, who's used to this, and was was great, was all in on it. Uh, he's like, "Yeah, absolutely, I'll be on the show. That'll be great." So, but then we had like a third seat there, and we would bring in, you know, people that were at the con. I just talked to him for a minute or two about what they were doing, blah 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 blah. Um, and these are normally voluble, engaged, outgoing people who locked up when I put them <laughs> put them in front of a camera. Locked out, yeah, Yep. yep. I, 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 yeah. I, they just you know some people just don't want to do it they get nervous and can you get through that sure i mean that's a you know anybody that's had any kind of acting training knows about stage fright and all that or anybody who's talked in public frankly yeah i'm just too stupid to get the message that's all
0: <laughs> i i've taught public speaking off and on for the last 15 years so yes i am i am very well aware of sort of trying to coach people over that I, <clears throat> I think the consistency thing in in the realm in which you live is absolutely of much more paramount importance than a lot of people realize and it's something that I've tried to get through to my son's head uh, multiple times of course he's not going to listen to me right What kid listens to dad but right my uh for those that don't know my my son is is big in the eSports world to the point where he's actually in college on a partial eSports scholarship that's that's how he's paying to go well, to school
1: well that's cool
0: it it's very cool and and he is a pretty highly ranked player in both uh both fifa so the soccer the soccer one which is his his main game and then also in the destiny series of games and there there's a couple of the specific destiny events and i i don't know enough to tell you specifically which ones not like main quest sort of stuff but sort of the side events you know like the i don't know the the rocket sled racing or whatever i don't think it's that one exactly Oh, but. rocket league no 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 these are destiny specific things so there are there are some some particular events that you can do in destiny they're almost like little side quests so they've got these little rocket sleds that you can do raise it's almost like a little pod race from the from Phantom Menace okay. um, that all happen within the destiny game and I don't think that's one of the specific events for him but he's like top 20 top 30 on the planet in a couple of these specific events hmm. um yeah and- and 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 so he's pretty highly ranked in a bunch of these things. Um, when one of the DLCs dropped last spring spring before last, because it was a senior year of high school when this happened, um, it dropped on like a Friday night. Kieran got got his his little crew together, and they had about five or six dudes, and they were gonna speed run this new DLC. At one point, they were literally leading the entire planet, they were ahead of everybody else on the planet in this thing, and then one of their members sort of disappeared. We don't know if he had an internet problem or like mom shut off his console or what happened, but, but one of the members of their team just disappeared and they couldn't move on without this guy. They they kind of got stuck in this one specific location, and at that point, like all the guys in South Korea with these uber high speed lines, all woke up and got on the DLC and started lapping the rest of the planet. But but at one point, like twelve hours in, they were leading the planet on this stuff. So so the esports thing is something my son takes very seriously. He's very good at it, and and he has wanted to take a look into some of the streaming stuff that he's done. One of the other things that that now that in, the NCAA has changed their name, image, and likeness rules, it's a little different than it was when he started college, but when he started college, one of the points that esports had over the NCAA at the time was you can monetize yourself. Through eSports. If you wanted to set up a, a a stream and be able to monetize that stream, nothing in the collegiate eSports rules would prevent you from doing that. And so he's talked several times about wanting to start streaming more and, and making that a, a more regular thing for him. And the thing that I've you know tried to pound into his head goes back to part of what's built your audience the way it has, and that is the consistency of it. Everybody knows Monday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, Gary's Gary's streaming. Gary is live. The show you do with Dan um is is a weekly consistent show. We just got to remember which channel you're on. That's yeah, and that's a bit right of there. a bit
1: of a challenge. And you're yeah. on a little earlier, which I think also um I will I'll I'll say this. I, I kind of intentionally chose the time slot that I did as the prime time time slot, right? This the old yeah. fashioned network TV prime time. Because at this point, people are uh, you know, they've they're done with dinner, they're sitting around, they're probably watching TV anyway. The mouse watch me right yeah um so i picked that that time slot deliberately and i i i do feel like that's maybe not a huge factor but that's a factor in the fact that people doesn't hurt yeah yeah well
0: plus you're done with dinner (laughs) right you know it's it's you've wound down for the evening and now have the time to do it in your own life you know you're not interrupting what's what's going on in your life but the point is like, you can set your watch to when Gary's on on Mondays. Like, you know this is happening. And so the, the consistency piece is something that I've tried to get my son to get, get you know, on the ball with. Look, set a date and time. Tuesdays, 9 p.m., like, whatever. He's a college kid, right? So it's going to be something later in the evening. But, but set a date and time, and you've got to hit it every single week. And the first week, nobody's going to show up because they don't know you're there. The mm-hmm. second week, you might get two dudes. And the third week, you might only have one. But, you know, if you're consistent about it, then three months into this, four months into this you've now got five dudes that have found you and all told their five friends you told five other friends and now you're up to to 25 or 30 people consistently watching you and that doesn't sound like a lot but that's more than that's that's
1: pretty good yeah actually that that's pretty good um the there's there's like nobody that pulls those those kind of numbers honestly except me and compass game i like the big you know 100 200 people numbers i've i haven't seen that happen anywhere in the wargaming space other than that so if somebody's drawn even 10, 15, 20 people, that's that's actually quite good. Yeah,
0: I well, think but, Particularly
1: if you're doing something crazy like streaming at 9 a.m. on Saturday morning or something like that. Man, yeah. I'm still in bed at that time. I ain't watching that.
0: Well, but but what he's doing, it, the, the space that he's trying to live in is much bigger than where we are in the wargaming space. You know, if you're yes streaming destiny Two speed runs through things the destiny audience is much you know orders of magnitude larger than the wargaming audience the point is you've got that consistency that you're trying to hit and and the regularity and frequency with which you appear makes a difference and that's that that is a key uh, necessity almost to building your audience is is the regularity with which things appear for a live show particularly if you're going to try and interact with the audience now a it's a little different if it's recorded stuff our podcasts consistently drop on fridays usually in the mornings but it, you, you can't set your clock to them the way you can with some of the live streams that we're not always dropping right at 9 15 some weeks we're dropping closer to 8 30 some weeks i may still be editing on friday depending on what's happened in the week leading up to it and so it doesn't show up till four o'clock in the afternoon there was the week a couple weeks ago when our hosting blew up and Oops. and we didn't get it out there till nine o'clock at night so
1: would you care to endorse your web hosting platform <laughs>
0: I, I would I, <laughs> look GoDaddy has treated us well up until three weeks ago and and I'm convinced that the issue there wasn't GoDaddy in the large it was one specific tech support dude who went when we even very specifically said here is our problem <laughs> this is what we're seeing do we need to fix this one very specific thing we were told No, no 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 we got it we're working on it it turned out to be that one very specific thing 12 hours later that you know after all of the we're working on it it was the exact same thing we had identified 12 hours earlier and said do you need us to go fix this so
1: well that sounded fun
0: yeah that that was a little annoying Ah, ah you would think that i would be over this cold after like 10 11 days but damn it's kicking my ass oh it
1: sounds like something well, bad i don't know I, I might need to get tested or something
0: well um, i i've tested three times and i'm negative for covid and oh well, then i don't know what to tell you strong.
1: have take more drink more vitamin c or something yeah so another thing to to consider too is that that the, the and I know this isn't the original context of the comment from the article right is the yeah. long tail right so when I when I you know click the button at ten oh five which is pretty typical and say we're done for the night everybody have a great night right at on on Monday nights I will typically see those view numbers be at uh, you know three four five hundred something like that that'll be the number of views because people came in people left you know I the the number for the night the max number and the average number or whatever they are. Uh, But then over the span of the next couple of weeks, right, I will see those uh, view numbers for that live stream go up and up and up and up and up. And typically, uh, they will top out over to sometimes well over 1500 views okay wow so what's what's happening there and and and, you know this is a bit anecdotal this isn't real data right youtube doesn't supply me with this kind of metric uh is a lot of people because there's really not a lot of visual appeal in that live stream right let's let's face it it's me (laughs) on camera nobody is there for that um so a lot of people treat it like a podcast and they put the video on, put headphones in, go cut the grass, do the laundry, go to work, whatever. Um, And my, you know, the average like view duration for YouTube videos is something like two or three minutes right um if you're if you're doing better than two or three minutes average view time you're doing real well mm. um when I since I started doing the live stream my average view time skyrocketed to over 20 minutes um yeah. and on on many of those specific streams the the, the counter clipping shows the average view time will be well over 45 minutes um so it, it's a it's a I think the the what I want to point out here is that sometimes the people that are consuming your content may not necessarily be consumed your content in the way that the platform that it's on necessarily intended right yeah um that's just not a thing youtube is just not a podcasting platform to the extent that i've considered um not really moving permanently to some kind of podcasting platform because i like youtube and i like watching myself on television so and my mom does too now so that's a that's a thing we can talk (laughs) about that later that's just a bizarro world experience right there oh you're on tv tonight
0: Mm -hmm. um but uh, get a haircut shave ah! does she have a smart tv that she can actually literally put youtube on the tv oh yeah no that my my, ne- my niece does it for her There <laughs> but, you go
1: <laughs> but uh, but yes you'll know, put gary on the tv tonight oh yeah Anyway, so, you know, it, it, the, you're, not, you're not necessarily limited to tailoring your audience to one particular platform, right? Something mm-hmm. I thought about doing, I actually started downloading the streams, and then I started listening to it, and I said, this is shit, and I'm not doing it, um, was releasing the counterclipping shows as a podcast, uh, just getting a pod, you know, some kind of free podcasting host thing, and there are still some. there. Mm-hmm. There were some free podcast hosts, then there weren't, <laughs> and now there are again with some limitations and caveats. Yeah. Uh, so I thought about that, but then I was going to have to do a bunch of audio editing and stuff like that to to, to take out the, you know, me farting on, cam- on on my hot mics and stuff like that. Um, and not just that, but to take out all the dead air where I'm, like, directly interacting with a, a viewer question that I didn't read off, which I don't always do. Um, yeah. So I, I felt like, man, this is going to be terrible content, right? Um, at the same time, there's, like, regular listeners, though, that, you know, probably know, oh, there he is, complaining about Decision Games again, and I can... P- the, the regular listeners will know who made the comment that i'm reacting to right um so you lose that kind of live reaction and and for me at least that's that's kind of where the magic happens on this sh- on the live show uh it's yeah. it's in the interaction it's i i did this for i'm trying to do a little more put, bring a little more structure to the show right now uh but you know that's partly a discipline exercise for me than anything else but um you know a lot of those shows are just me talking with the chat right people yeah. asking questions and making Making comments and i comment on that and and it's very interactive and then that's really despite their you know whether there's an outline or script or whatever that's really i think where the magic happens on live stream
0: i will tell you i'm one of those folks that contributes to some of your views after the fact because i don't always have the full two hours to sit there on monday night and and watch the whole show end to end i usually drop in for at least a little while and uh and and catch a bit of the show what i will frequently do so first of all we we put the video for each of your Monday night shows in our Tuesday Newsday. So as folks are reading Tuesday Newsday, they get, yeah, last night Gary did this and here's the video and it's embedded in our, Tuesday <laughs> he Newsday. said what? Oh my yeah. God. <laughs> so, so they can always hit play from there. But frequently while I am finalizing Tuesday Newsday on Tuesday mornings, I will have the part of your Monday night show that I didn't catch running in the background. Like you said, as a radio talk show. And, and one of the other things that that allows me to do is I I've learned that for podcasts and spoken YouTube, YouTube video sort of presentation kind of stuff that, that I can still absorb most of it at 1.5 speed. I can, I can definitely absorb it all at 1.25 speed. So I can put the show on, speed it up a little bit because it's after the fact and still absorb the entire thing in a little bit less time. And, and so that makes the show go by a little bit quicker for me and still get everything that you've talked about. So I am one of those folks that's picking up your views after the fact. I will say Jim Ozarski and his live streamed games where he's, he's streaming his tabletop simulator games two three four nights a week he's gotten a lot of emails from guys especially in the minis world because that's what they play a lot of our minis games on on tabletop simulator that they're sitting there playing something from blucher or altar of freedom or lasalle 2 or whatever he gets a lot of emails from guys that are minis dudes who are sitting down painting up their armies they're doing the arts mm. and crafts side of the minis wargaming mm-hmm. i said yeah you're my background music basically yeah. you know they they've got that on in the background they're sitting there painting their minis they've got the show on in the background listening to jim and the guys playing a game in in the background while they're painting up figs for the same game often yep
1: and i have people that watch my show while they're clipping counters too mm-hmm
0: some big mass counter clipping support group there <laughs>
1: One, one interesting and I've, I've been thinking more about this because i'm and i, I don't think i'm letting a cat out of any bags here when i say this because i don't believe that anybody in the wargaming space is quite as well positioned as myself to secure a product sponsorship with oregon laminations um but that's a thing that nobody really explores or talks about and 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 very few other entities like larger entities in this space like noble knight for example uh, i think they they've started to do like actual sponsorships uh now what that yeah. turns into i've never had anything remotely like that but what that what does that turn into right i mean is that like oh you get i well yeah i'll put a little insert a little ad for noble knight or whoever it is and they give me uh, 20 bucks a show something like that um so that's another potential monetization stream that is uh very underexplored in the wargaming space much less so in the video game space uh and, and partly that's because of the creators i think that aren't pursuing that because they don't feel like they're big enough because mostly they're not and i'm even i'm not um and partly a uh effect of the lassitude and or uh, trogloditism of the, <laughs> the things like publishers or something like that i mean if gmt reached out to me i don't, don't want to pick on gmt but I, you know they're the biggest so i could pick on them the the with the cleanest conscience um if gmt reached out to me tomorrow and say hey we want to be a sponsor on your show we got a 15 second ad that we want you to put in the show and we'll give you 10 bucks every time you put it in during you know per per week i would jump on that in a heartbeat uh, yeah. nobody's literally nobody is doing that in the wargaming space and somebody like noble knight is much obviously much bigger than just wargaming right yeah. So uh, it's 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 very uh, I think it shows a lot of foresight on the part of somebody like Noble Knight to do that, whether it's worth, you know, worth their investment or not. That's a different story. And I don't know that there is any actual money changing hands there. Uh, it could be that, hey, we'll give you a, your own personal discount code. I mean, yeah. I, <laughs> I, can, I can make that work. Right. Uh, <laughs> it's not like I, I'm not a customer. You know, there's there's a, probably a lot of avenues for, for monetization and for little side benefits that people aren't really exploring. But maybe that's something that we talk about, right, as the, is as a content creator, what are exactly the side benefits?
0: Yeah, well, I will tell you that one of the reasons I think not a lot of people reach out looking for sponsorship opportunities is a lack of understanding about how these things work. I yeah, because I have be- no idea. <laughs> Yeah, well, but I think there may be an expectation on the part of folks like yourself or some of the smaller channel folks, and and just to throw a handful of names out, I'm not picking on any of them, but but guys that I don't know if they know enough about how these things work. Guys like Patrick over Patrick's Tactics and Tutorials. Guys like Just a Guard's an, ex, an exception because he does this this kind of stuff for a living in in another venue. Um, but guys like Gimpy Gamer, get get mm-hmm. Nate's a great dude. Uh, does, sure. does great content, but like I don't know if they realize how unstructured the internet ad space actually is, that they assume there's far more professionalism and an organization behind this for the bigger publishers than there probably really is. And so they're intimidated by even broaching the conversation, thinking that there's some sort of, you know, 17 slide PowerPoint sales pitch that they have to do to get the attention of these guys. Damn it, I gotta Um, throw away 12 of my slides. Yeah, there you go. To even to even get into that conversation instead of make a phone call and ask a question and see what you come up with. Yeah. Um, and there's there's probably there, there are going to be two use cases really out there. One is hey, there's an actual value proposition for me to get my business advertised through one of these content creator channels. That that for me. Noble Knight is is sort of the odd, oddball one because of how big Noble Knight is, but you've mentioned a couple of smaller game stores. The one up in Cleveland, you've mentioned more than a few times. On, yeah, uh,
1: well, he doesn't get mentioned by me. Oh, the, the War Zone, though. Yeah, that can't. Yeah. That's a new. They're a news item right there when that place <laughs> burns to the ground. And there's like forty fatalities among the the war gamer community, or not the war gamers, but the the forty k community up there because that the place is an incredible fire hazard. Uh, but, then you know. People need to know.
0: Yeah, but but there are there are some of these smaller places for whom there might actually be a value proposition of hey, in in getting our name out in this mail order business through Gary's channel, we may be able to bring in a couple of customers, and at ten bucks a week over the course of ten weeks, that's going to cost us a hundred bucks. But if we bring in four hundred dollars worth of business, that works out in our favor. And and so on on one hand, there's an actual value prop for those advertisers that that's probably the kinds of things. Things that that folks are expecting to have to like justify with this seventeen slide PowerPoint deck. The flip side of it is, it may be that some of those places are willing to support content creators like you, or. Players Aid or Dan or whoever, and in order to simply help build the community and show support for the wider community, Gary is performing a valuable public service in giving the community a place to coalesce and have some social interaction for this geographically disparate community that we have, and in return for his service to the community, we would like to thank and support him with some manner of monetary support, whatever. So that's the other kind of use case that might be out there. And I'm not arguing for or or against any of them. I'm simply listing what they might be. I do know that in our previous incarnation at, at, at a site that I used to, to work with and run most of, uh, we tried very hard to do a bunch of ad-driven business. And, and we were able to have some success with a handful of particular publishers and, and and creators and distributors with some advertising business. But what we found very early on is you almost have to commit about 50% of a full full-time person to doing nothing but maintaining those ad relationships and ad sales and getting that ad business closed or things are going to fall through the cracks. It's too much to do to maintain a running business.
1: That's why if, if you we, run a fantasy business, like say an independent radio station, they literally have an actual person that does that or, exactly. or a team of
0: people that does that. And and I've worked in radio, so I know some of those people. That is a headache. And that is trying to find somebody who, who you know, wants to do that for you is a problem. And, and, and so you end up with either pressing somebody into doing it that doesn't really want to do it or trying to find somebody willing to do it for way below market rate if they're any good at it to, to help maintain your channel in that ad supported space. So when we set up the Dragoons, we very early on said, we, we do not want to be in this ad business. And that's where our Patreon came from. And the other thing that we did is, you know, we weren't trying to become one of the that that internet middle class with a thousand true fans and, and turn this into a full-time job or anything. We've actually, unlike many other Patreon creators, we capped the number of people at each tier. So even if we wanted to try and get to the point where we had a thousand true fans spending a hundred, we would have to completely rearrange our Patreon to do that. That's, that's just not something we were trying to do. We sort of did the math. Okay, what do we need to reasonably not lose money on our hosting and our tech support costs and how do we do this without you know completely soaking our own wallets to do it? And that's kind of the math that we ran on. We gave ourselves a little bit of a buffer, and we said, "All right, Patreon, let's see what we got." And and we're fortunate in that the audience responded. And we've only got a three tier Patreon, so so our top two we capped at the number of we capped the smart number to
1: out. not overthink that like I did.
0: Yeah. <laughs> we, Again, trying to keep it simple. I don't know that we're going to add any more tiers because that's just more overhead that we've got to deal with that I'd rather not have to do. Um, but, you know, that's that was an intentional decision we made in that, one, it's not just a giant cash grab. Let's just not lose money. But, two, let's not put ourselves on that hamster wheel of constantly trying to drive ad revenue because that just – that was one of the things – in 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 our previous life that just drove me batshit crazy and i didn't want to do it anymore so so that's definitely been a change to the model that we've had at the dragoons that we didn't have before
1: so at some point i think it's you you guys you're doing something a little differently over there than i am right uh i'm just a solitary content creator you've got actual people you could get to write articles and, and help kind of help to drive the content uh i've got people i like can right?
0: ask <laughs> yeah the,
1: sometimes they'll deliver maybe uh but the uh, you know at some point i i found it kind of liberating to take a step back and say i don't think i'm going to ever be able to viably make a living at this could i do it in the say if i switch to video games i think I, I might i might be able to but yeah. Um, at the same time, I don't have – I like video games, but I don't have the passion about video games to keep cranking content out year after year after year. I already do something I'm not particularly passionate about for a living. Why do I want to add another <laughs> thing and start from ground zero? No, we're not – that's dumb. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I am I, I am 100% satisfied with that. And And really, it's it, it's been a lot – you know, there's there's more than I thought there would ever be, right? I had a, mm-hmm. a viewer sent me a bottle of scotch. Thank you, by the way. Um. So <laughs> – And that's great. That's actually the 15-year bottle of scotch that I'm drinking for the show, for the, for the, for Ardwell Slayer's 15th birthday. So, uh, because I, just um, the timing was bad for me to go out and spend $75 on a bottle of 15 year old scotch um so you know you got to enjoy the the little the little fringe benefits when they arrive and 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 i'm comfortable saying to myself yeah we're never going to really turn this into a a profitable enterprise to the extent that we could live off of it without radically changing what it is could i start selling games by mail order for example i could do that but i don't want to do that right Um, I, I, it would be a, a very, I'd be doing something absolutely completely different at that point. So if this is what you want to do, this is why I said, focus on what you want to do, the kind of thing that you want to make. Right, whether that's games or or specific, you know, game like actual games or whether you just want to make content. Um, and let your passions drive it, right? Because otherwise, you know, for, for me, it's kind of a, an endless hamster wheel of 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 striving. And I, I had recent conversations on Twitter about this with the with a, a an excellent content creator in the tabletop RPG space who's just super frustrated and burned out because he doesn't feel like he ever got anywhere because he's trying yeah. to make a living off of it. And I understand. What he's trying to do he's trying to make he's trying to feel like what he's doing has value and it does but you know at the same time there's there was value for me in stepping back and saying not that i ever really seriously considered i mean i i fantasized about it right yeah. <laughs> but uh wouldn't it be great yeah but come on really this is not a thing where i'm gonna get you know a hundred thousand subscribers clip counters on monday nights you know it's it, for me it was it was a it was freeing to kind of step back and just say, you know what, we're not going to make a living about it. We're going to make content that we, I want to make. I'm using the course with the Royal we in random places here. But uh, I'm going to make the content that I want to make, and if people watch it, that's great. I'll have, be happy to share those things. This is one reason why I don't hide much behind the Patreon wall, right? Because I want people to see the content. Uh, yeah. To me, that relationship is more interesting than necessarily the, the the tens of dollars that flow in a month from this uh, intrepid exercise. Yeah, which ex- overall, let me best- hasten to add, has been an overall net giant money loser.
0: Yeah. So. <laughs> well, but I think that's. That's really where a bunch of us in this content space sort of live. And I'm 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 gonna go out on a limb and say that, you know, we're we're probably at least a little bit speaking for the Dan's and the Grant Alexanders and the the Jim Werbaneths of the world as it is. But I think the bulk of us are happy when we're not losing money. <laughs> let's yeah. do something we enjoy that doesn't drive us batshit crazy and let's not lose money doing it. And if we can get those two check boxes, at that point it's a success and everything else is stretch goals.
1: I yeah i told dan he's got a lot more long-term income driving potential in his pipe tobacco channel than he does off the wargaming channel
0: <laughs> and he and he does yeah are we sure it's just all pipe tobacco
1: i have no opinion on that he's <laughs> in canada so god only knows what's legal up there okay
0: something that we haven't touched on much and, and as we start to wind this down we're we're gonna have to wind down soon because i have a hard stop here momentarily and this is going to end up being one of our shorter episodes but you know, I, I think it's still fairly content rich. One of the things we Oh, it's rich, about, all right. Yeah, no kid. <laughs> One of the things we haven't talked much about is the the kinds of content that the audience is actually looking for. And really the the main thing that a bunch of us do is we put stuff out and just sort of see what what gets attention from people, whether it's YouTube or articles or podcasts or whatever. Everybody says they want reviews, but people aren't always reading the reviews. You know, the thing that gets regular interaction and regular participation are your Monday night. Streams, that's what gets all the attention. But it's your how to play or how to use Vassal kinds of videos that are your evergreen content that are sort of your top 20 greatest hits. Mm-hmm. This- the guys at Players Aid turn out lots of bite-sized videos showing here's this specific mechanic within this specific game, and they have a ton of those. But how many of them hit four figures on views? And you know, Dan oh, probably got his-
1: most of them. In their case, they've got almost three times as many subscribers as I have, so I assume their I assume their normal floor for views is probably around a thousand.
0: Yeah, Dan's got his weekly news with you know no enemies here that that drops every. Is it Saturday or Sunday that he drops it? It's night?
1: Friday night at mid twelve oh one. Yeah. So it's it's yeah. it's early Saturday, like early, early Saturday morning. Yeah, I usually so, watch it in the middle of the night.
0: So going into the weekend is when Dan drops no enemies here. And 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 that's you know, sort of here's the news update and what other people are doing. And and he's got, you know, Ricardo makes his his uh his weekly appearance in there, and and here's here's what's happening on some other channels. So so his news update each week is is kind of his main content, but he's just sort of pointing you other people's content. Our stuff, we've we've got a bunch of gameplay that people are showing off on different videos, whether it's uh, Jim Ozarski streams or My Own Worst Enemy. And then we've got our Tuesday Newsday stuff that, that we regularly hit plus our podcast. But we're not doing as many reviews as, as people might have otherwise wanted. The problem is when we put up those reviews, looking at the numbers on the back end, the reviews don't get nearly the number of clicks and engagements that the podcasts do, as a for instance. And so I think when you ask, the audience hey what is it you would like to see what they tell you isn't always borne out by the numbers looking behind the scenes and i'm i'm curious what your opinion on that that disconnect that dichotomy might be
1: i mean that's kind of a classic problem people don't necessarily know what they want until you tell them what they want um (laughs) reviews the challenge with reviews is they're hard to do well right you're either a monkey that does shitty reviews or you're spending a lot of time reviewing stuff and this is one reason why certain channels i'm gonna i'm gonna pick on the players eight again uh, why the types of games they review tend to slant a certain way so yeah they do some occasional reviews of heavier war game heavier hex and counter stuff uh that does happen from time to time but they also do a lot of pretty light entry level stuff because in order to do an honest review you gotta you've got to play it a few times right yeah i i, I i i put 200 hours into third winter before i felt like i could write a review of that thing right uh i put how many playthroughs was that (laughs) yeah oh uh two um the the we're on the third playthrough right now so i'm not counting that but the um you know something like pacific war which is a big complicated game i got a lot to say about that and i'm still working on that review because i've and i put fifty hours into that, right? And i i still I still feel like I'm 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 getting where I need to be to write that review, but I'm it's yep. still a little shaky, right? So uh and you can always be a dishonest chill if you want, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna this is why I, I very rarely will I say this is a review. I think I've published one video ever, maybe two like that. Two, but one of them was a random movie review, which is not something people come to my channel for. But people were very nice and complimentary about. So thank you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, people don't necessarily understand the kind of content that they want. Um, I love play like detailed in the weeds playthrough videos, and those are, it's another type of content that very few people are actually doing because it's really hard, it's really hard yeah. to do. It's hard not just to to do it pr- from a production standpoint but it's hard to narrate it right yep uh it's yep. it's tremendously heavy and editing and all that stuff
0: yeah and and for some of the games there's no way you're doing it in a one sitting review you end up with five and six right. and seven parts to it that's what's happened with uh with my we did Lowe not and- put
1: that those were not 200 consecutive hours playing third winner okay yeah we took <laughs> breaks like a week breaks
0: yeah well my own worst enemy on on our channel you know that that's that's something that uh mike colello does and we we run those most wednesdays uh, more wednesdays than not probably three out of every four during the month uh mike's been running extended playthroughs of a bunch of games where where he's he's running five and six and seven episodes at at anywhere from 90 minutes to two and a half hours Mm -hmm. of here i am playing this specific game and we're doing every detail of every turn as we play it the whole way through he recently wrapped up uh one one full scenario of assault red horizon um and it's not just hey here's sort of what a turn looks like so you get a sense of it it's here i'm gonna play this game end to end and, and you know, here's the setup, here's the scenario objectives, here's what we're trying to do. All right, turn one, here's what happens. All right, we'll see you next week for turns two and three. And and he plays his way through the entire game that way. You can do the same thing with Ozarsky shows mm-hmm. um, that, that we run Saturday Night Fights on our, on our site, but Jim's running stuff two and three nights a week. They do the full game. Now, the other thing they're doing is because it's multiplayer and they're all in there talking, they'll interact with the chat some, but they're not sitting down explaining everything. Every item of it. It's not a play by play like a sports broadcast or something. It's the guys, it, it's you as a fly on the wall at somebody's game night watching what's going on. And they're not always going to sit there and take the time to explain, okay, this move going to here means they've got a plus two to this, but a minus one to that. They're not going to go through all of that with you because it's you're a fly on the wall watching somebody else playing a game. So, so that's sort of where they are. Um, so we, we've hit a bit of a hard stop here, in part because I've got some other stuff i got to go do. Um, th- this is an off-the-wall podcast for us. But, but Gary, I thank you for your thoughts and, and really appreciate the candor with which you've opened up about your own channel here.
1: Despite um, the scheduling difficulties that we've had in arranging this.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's been a little bit of a challenge. Um, please make it clear to your wife that I am not trying to convince you to quit your day job and do this full-time. Oh, there's <laughs> a
1: corkboard on the other side of this wall that has a little... Uh, th- piece of papers tacked to it that says this is the list of people that you should murder if i should make you too angry and you are in fact on that list <laughs> how many times uh just once actually oh, only okay. everybody only everybody only needs to be on there once because she will find you and she will kill you
0: <laughs> great that's what I need. That said, you know, there's probably going to be much rejoicing around the Wargame world should that ever come to pass. So yeah. the uh, audience, thank you very much for joining us on uh, on sort of this off-the-wall podcast here. I know this one's a little shorter than normal, but I hope it was uh, interesting and informative. And if you've got some thoughts, please chime in in the comments below or over on our forums or, you know, just start tagging us on some Twitter threads and, and we'll be snarky over there too, and that's totally fine. Um, Gary's shows are Monday night, he's got the counterclipping show, which is, again, sort of that tent-polling event in the wargaming world tuesday he and dan sort of goof off a little bit um you know dan is the the court jester of the wargaming world i'm, I'm convinced that's his actual role and then uh classless characters runs wins that's uh
1: we're a bit irregular to be honest it's our uh it's supposed to be twice a month but you know there there's always schedule it's, it's just not just me so it, it's you know there's always scheduling challenges so we are averaging about two shows a month but it gotcha. it it might not necessarily be every other week, and that's on Sundays, usually sometime in the afternoon.
0: Gotcha. And folks we're trying to make it a Euro-friendly of, time slot. Okay. Yeah. And folks have asked sort of when when are we going to start doing any more live streaming with the Dragoons, and we have kicked it around a little bit. The problem is, what exactly are we going to live stream that somebody else isn't already doing better than we would do it anyway? So I I don't know how often we're going to do that, other than the occasional stray fill in where Gary can't be around for something, and and so we'll fill that Monday night time slot just so people don't go into withdrawal. Uh,
1: and I appreciate uh, you doing that when Breeze line sucked
0: yeah well it wasn't a problem it was there's a video
1: that's gotten several thousand views outside the war gaming space by the way (laughs)
0: i'm sure breach line appreciated it (laughs) oh fuck them that's what i got to say about that don't make me laugh too hard i'll start coughing a bunch um all right audience thanks bunch for joining us and uh we'll catch you next time on another episode of mention and dispatches thanks for having me